Who's ready to be challenged? Yeah. I'm glad there were some hands. I'm challenged, okay? I'm already challenged this morning, but I believe there's more for us, okay? Remember, there's always more. If we're hungry, there's always more. Um, so, a little bit of a disclaimer. I had a completely different message prepared for this morning, okay? Um, and I don't think it's wasted. I believe that God's going to use it. But on Friday, I had this amazing moment where everyone in the office had left. And that's not because I'm glad when everyone leaves. No, I had this amazing moment because has anyone peeked in and seen that we've knocked a few walls down? Yeah. Well, I put on some worship music and I began to worship and I was basically in a position where I was like, God, help me just refine this message. And as I'm worshiping and I felt like I'm in a fishbowl, <laughs> no walls there as you see past, blinds up, people finishing work, walking past. Anyway, I'm having this moment where I'm worshiping and I'm praying and I really felt strongly God saying to change my message, to just postpone the other one, put it on the shelf, it's not wasted, but he's got something significant for this morning. And I began to prepare it. And what I love, because God is good, is um, had dinner with my amazing mother-in-law, Linda, and she began to share something that was bang on with what I felt God wanted to share this morning. And that gave me some faith. Even this morning, as I'm walking in, and Karen is on the door, and she began to share something with me that I was like, that's pretty much part of the message. I felt encouraged. And then I walked in, and there is Pam. And who knows, Pam is amazing. And I just love the way she prays, and she gets a word, and she goes, you know what, I'm going to share it. I think you even said, I don't know why, but I'm sharing this to you now. And basically, again, it was just firming up what I believe God wants to share this morning. So I'm excited, and I hope we're all excited. And so if we are taking notes, which I always encourage, maybe it's on your phone, maybe it's in a notebook, because who knows, you can hear something, and a few moments later, you're just like one ear and out the other, right? That's why I love the podcast, because <laughs> sometimes I just go and listen to it again. That's why I love watching the stream that's been, well, I'm going to give you a title, and if you take anything away, at least you've got this point, okay? So if Pastor Don comes up to you and go, what was the message? Was it good? You can at least say this line. Does that sound good? Especially for us where it goes in and out. So I believe the message that God has for us this morning is this, challenge builds Christ's character. I'm going to say it again. Challenge builds Christ's character. Are we feeling challenged just by the thought of whatever's going to come next? Challenge builds Christ's character. Repeat after me. Challenge builds Christ's character. Let's try it one more time. Challenge builds Christ's character. All right, we can go home now. Just, you know, meet someone new in the cafe, have a good time. Jokes. No, challenge builds Christ's character. And why do I believe that is important? I believe it's important because I believe it's a significant message for us 
as the church, us as a church in this moment in 2021. Who would believe it? We are already on January the 31st. That means we are already 112th through. I'm not even prepared to deal with that right now. And like Naz spoke about, we are coming out, and some of us still feel we are in this season, but we're coming out of a season, we're transitioning, it's 2021, out of a season of uncertainty, out of an, a season where it's been tough, where you know things might not have gone as planned, that the world is trying to chase after something to anchor on. Right now is a significant time for us as the church and as a church, because God is calling us to be the church. God is calling us to be the body. That's what I love about um, Nez's testimony. It should not be just a story about Inspire. That is a story about the church, that the church, we are saved by grace, right? We're here because Jesus did something incredible. He made a way that we could be made right, that we could know him. But also we're here because one another, you know, we spur each other on in faith. There are days when we are filled with faith and there are days where we feel like we're lacking in faith. And that is the purpose of the body of Christ, to spur one another on. But we live in a time where there's uncertainty, there is almost a a lack of direction that we're trying to hinge our lives on something. I believe one of the biggest things that we struggle with as a culture is identity. You know what I mean? Identity. There is a struggle to define myself, whether it's something I'm for, whether it's something I'm against, whether it's something to make me feel like I have purpose. There is a struggle out there to define and categorize and find that identity, to give me value, to give me purpose. Who am I? Identity. And I believe that what God is calling us to in 2021 is greater intimacy with Him. That we wouldn't be struggling trying to find identity, but rather we would actually realize that our identity is in Him. Relationship. You see, relationship is whose am I? Identity is who am I, but relationship is whose am I? And that is an important thing to understand. Because who knows that when you build your life identity around elements of our lives, that that all becomes a bit of a challenge when your life gets shaken up. I've been through that journey, and no doubt I will go through that journey as I go through life where, you know, it's easy to find your identity in what you do, right? Easy to find identity in what you do. I still remember the moment where um, in a past job, I finally reached that moment of being the head of. You know what I mean? I was the head of strategy and media. I was like, I've, t- I've made it. I've made it. That was my identity. There's something special about going to a function or a barbecue, and someone goes, what do you do? And you go, let me tell you. Yeah, so I head up strategy and media for an advertising agency, and you begin to talk about it, and you're filling up your identity out of what you do. It's real interesting when that changes, 
right? We've probably all been through that. Even I remember, you know, years ago, having identity in my uh, ministry and what I was doing for the church. So what do you do at your church? Well, let me tell you. And there is a whole identity wrapped up in that. And what happens when that changes? What happens when there's a challenge? We're in that same position. We're trying to find what can we hook our identity on. Where it shouldn't be that our identity is we are sons and daughters of the living God. I love it. Genesis 1.26, it puts it quite plainly that we are image bearers. That we're called to rule and to partner with what God is doing in the earth. I love how Paul takes that thought and puts it through a new lens in Romans 8 where he says, God's purpose for us is to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus. He's not saying, next Sunday, let's all turn up in a bathrobe and a blue uh, Miss Universe sash and have big, long, flowy locks and a big beard. You know, that quintessential picture of Jesus that has nothing to do with the Jesus of history. But you know that thought we have with the big beard? The perfectly, um, what do you call it? Curls. Cur- oh, curls. I was thinking of like, um, yeah, nice. I'm, I'm thinking more of like the hair blowing, you know, perfect silky. Almost like Gary's got some pretty good hair right there. <laughs> and a beard too. You're just missing the robe and the sash. Um, but you know what I mean. Th- that verse has got nothing to do with that. It's about the way that we act. The way that we live. When we think about Jesus, you know, he can walk into a room and a miracle takes place and a life is transformed. He can walk into a room and the kingdom of heaven is experienced. That is what it is to be an image bearer. But we know that as Paul puts it, and he puts it elsewhere about not being conformed to the patterns of the world, but being being renewed, we're talking about a process That it's not a moment on the altar or in our bedroom where we go, God, I'm going to stop running and I'm going to choose you. I'm going to live for you. We know it's not that instant download. Do you know what I'm talking about? We know that it's not just we will never face another challenge again. (laughs) No, it is a process. And what is the process that builds character? Challenge. Challenge is what builds character. Challenge is what brings to the surface what's going on in our lives and helps us to address it and to move forward. As Naz said, it was, it's so easy when everything's going perfect in your life to be praising God and to be praying and to be fired up. But it's in the moments of challenge where we begin to transform, that we begin to change, that we become more like Christ. So that is why relationship is so important. Because when we realize that our identity is in Him, it doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what what season you're in. You know that you are His and that you can go through the challenge. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to open up Luke 4. 
And I believe in Luke 4, there are some amazing keys in this passage about Jesus to teach us on how, when we go through challenge, to do it in a way that builds Christ's character. Are we keen for that? Come on. Because I read something over the break. Who likes reading when you've got some downtime? Good to see you again, Neve. Welcome back. I have no doubt that you would love reading. It's good to see a few hands up. So I read something. Micah, good. Dave, saw some hands. Yep. Now, what I love is the statement that I read, and it was very challenging. So remember how I said that the title is Challenge Builds yeah, Christ's Character. Here is another thought I want you to remember, okay? And I thought this was challenging. Here's a question for each one of us. Is Jesus just our Savior, or is he also our teacher? When we read the Gospels in our relationship, do we only respond to Jesus as Savior? And man, thank you, God. And it's true that all the rubbish and everything I go through can be washed off, that I can be saved, that I can know you? Or is he also our teacher in the way that we live? That we read the Gospels, it's not just him, the Savior, but it's like, Lord, what are you teaching me? Because another thing I read that I thought was quite profound is if we want the life of Jesus, then we need to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And there is so much in the Gospels for us that we're going to miss if we're just looking for Jesus' Savior. There is so much in here for us when we look to Jesus, our teacher. How is, you know, when Jesus came, he didn't come just to save us. He came to take on humanity, to dwell amongst us, to experience life like us, to show us that we can have victory, that we can overcome and experience his grace and salvation. So we're in Luke chapter 4. Um, we're going to read through the passage, then we're going to break it down, look at some really interesting things in there, and then we're going to leave with two keys, okay? Two keys. I'm one of those people that if you can just give me two things, awesome. I can run with that, and we can pick up something later. All right, so we're starting in verse 1, Luke 4, and it says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. That's inspiring. <laughs> I love this. Full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He has just been baptized. We'll probably remember this passage. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove, the voice of God the Father saying, This is my Son, whom I am well pleased. You would be walking on cloud nine if that was you, right? Full of the Holy Spirit. And it says, then he was led by the Spirit into the desert. I don't know about you guys, but the desert is the last place I want to hang out. The desert, all through Scripture, is a picture, the, the wilderness of testing and trial. Come on, God, I've just been on the mountaintop. I'm feeling full of the Holy Spirit. Why are you leading me? into the desert. It says he's led into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Another translation puts famished, 
we're not just talking about, you know, I'm sitting at home, I'm a bit bored, uh, watching something, I might see if in the cupboard there's a bag of chips, hungry. We're not even just talking about hangry. Do you guys know what I mean? Yeah, it's 3 p.m. I feel a little bit sorry for Kim because she's got three boys in the household. (laughs) Me, Cole, Harvey, then I'm pretty sure hits hangry (laughs) at about three o'clock. We're not talking about hangry. We are talking about I have been fasting in a desert and I am desperate. I love that because this is us seeing Jesus as, remember, it's God incarnate, but this is Jesus in his humanity. He is hungry. And it's at that point that it says, verse 3, the devil's tempting him. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. Then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against the stone. I mean, we've got the devil here quoting Psalm 91, back to Jesus. And it says, Jesus says, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him into an opportune time. And then it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Not just full, not just led, but in the power of the Spirit. So we're going to break this down. Why is this passage here? This passage is to teach us something. This passage was to teach the original audience something that they would have seen as clear as day. And here in 2021 in New Zealand, uh, we probably need a, a couple of little cues to see what's going on under the service here. So Jesus is in the wilderness. It says he's fasting for 40 days. There's a little bite bulb going off. 40, wilderness. Might remind you of a time where Israel was taken out of Egypt. They went through the wilderness towards the promised land. Do you guys know that passage? If you haven't read it, you've probably seen the movie Prince of Egypt. <laughs> yeah. God was taking Israel out. And what happened? Only days in to the journey where God had already brought a miracle. What was the miracle? Splitting the Red Sea. You'd think after that that you'd go, God, God's here with us. <laughs> God's moving with us. You'd think you'd be full of faith. But what happens? It says literally days in. I think it's three days in, they begin to grumble. In the middle of a little bit of challenge, a little bit of testing, a little bit of trial, they begin to grumble. And they say to Moses, man, it was better in Egypt. So much, you've led us out here to die. Like at least in Egypt, we had food and, you know, they're rattling on about the food that they had. They had forgotten 
that they were slaves. This wasn't life and life to the full. They were slaves. God was redeeming them. God had a promise that they were being taken to the promised land. It's got a little bit of testing and trial in a wilderness. And immediately, even after a miracle, there is a folding. And they grumble. And what does God do? He hears their grumbling. But he meets them where they're at. And along comes manna from heaven. He feeds them. And we see that like Israel, Jesus is confronted in a moment. He's in the wilderness. He is hungry. We know that because he's been led by the Spirit that this is divinely purposed. This is what God wants. And yet in that moment, he could be tempted. He could be tempted not to trust God and his provision And yet, what does he say? He responds with scripture and he says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. Now, we don't have time this morning, but in your own time, you'll see in the bottom of your Bible, a little reference to these scriptures. It's worth going and reading them because literally these are all linked back to these moments that Israel was going through. You see, Jesus overcomes this test where Israel failed. And who knows, we can go through that ourselves. I know what it's like to go through moments where you go, you're in the middle of the challenge. God has made a promise. We know who he is. And he calls us to just have faith, to trust him. And it can be easy in those moments to go, you know what, God? I know that you've called me this way, but I'm going to make something happen. Jesus has been through that and he understands. He just shows us to overcome with faith. Let us not fall to that. Then the next one, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Man, this must have been a challenge as as the devil goes, see all these kingdoms, all this glory, all this splendor, I'll give it to you. You know why it would have been a challenge? Because Jesus knew that he would need to suffer to achieve the purpose that we all get to enjoy right now, which is salvation, which is grace, which is freedom, which is establishing the kingdom of heaven. And here was a moment where he was tempted to try and shortcut to a moment of glory. When the glory required the challenge. The glory required the journey. The glory required the wilderness. The glory required suffering. You see, it mirrors back. Do you remember in that, that desert journey as Israel went through, there was that moment where they, they gave up their faithfulness on God and they began to worship the golden calf. They threw it in. They said to, to Aaron, the high priest, make us An Elohim that brought us out of Israel. Make us out of Egypt. Make us a God that we can serve. They they gave up their faithfulness in God as they're going, what's going on here? I know, God, you've called us to be faithful, but in a moment, they threw it away. They failed that test, yet Jesus here overcomes. As he says and quotes back, It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Who knows that sometimes it's really easy to be tempted to shortcut 
in our journey, especially when it means avoiding challenges, especially when it means avoiding a little bit of suffering, a little bit of testing. It can be tempting to throw it in. But Jesus demonstrates us for us that there is power in overcoming that, that you can to hold in, to have faith that God pulls through. And finally, it said that the devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And then he begins to quote scripture. That reminds me a little bit of that moment in the garden, right? You got Eve in there, and the serpent begins to twist God's word. Did God really say that? You know, sometimes in our journey and in our challenges, voices can come. Voices can come, and and almost, you know, what he was being tested in here was actually putting God to the test to prove himself, rather than having faith in God. God, you need to prove that you're worthy of me putting your faith in you. And that linked back to a moment as Israel was in there, it was at Massa, where again, they were grumbling. Again, they said, Moses, we need water. God needs to provide water. And it says that God was angry because they tested him to prove he was with them. Rather than just trusting God, I know I'm in a challenge, but God, you are faithful, you are good, you are loving, you will lead me through that this is building character. No, that was a moment where they grumbled and said, actually, no, God, if I'm going to keep going in this, you need to prove yourself to me. Have we ever been in that position? I know I've been in that position where you come to a point, God, you got to prove yourself. God, if you do this, I'll... I'll do that. But no, God is calling us to faith because that testing builds, what does it build? Character. Christ character. And Jesus responds, do not put the Lord your God to the test, which is out of Deuteronomy 6. And again, that command is linked to that moment at Massa. And then it says that the devil was finished. There's no way of beating Jesus here. Jesus is the victor, and I love that it says that he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That whole time, the devil was challenging Jesus' identity in who he was. Remember how I said in the beginning that that we had the baptism, that even God's voice had said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Well, as we're going through, did you hear it? If you are the son of God, prove yourself. If you are the son of God, do this. Of course God's gonna send his angels to, to, to hold you up. That is, you throw yourself off the temple that God will protect you because you know God has a purpose for you. See, it was under the guise of supporting his sonship, but what was happening was he was tempted to act independently of what God was calling him to do. God wasn't telling him to turn stones into bread. God wasn't telling him definitely not to bow down to, devil, to the devil, to shortcut 
the journey that he had before him. God, his father, was not calling him to throw himself off a temple to prove that God was with him, that he was the son of God. And I think the challenge for us is even though our identity is as sons and daughters, it's not a privilege to be exploited. What it is, is it's a, an understanding of our identity so that we can have faith in God and what he's calling us to and what he's calling us through. Because in our own strength, we can fail. That's why I love that, that example of being full of the Holy Spirit. But as sons and daughters, we can become overcomers, right? Not avoiders, overcomers. Not victims, but victors. That is who we are called to be, and it requires challenge. I also want to encourage you of what we see through this picture of Jesus is not to abandon our dependence on God, because God is faithful. You know, in a plotted point, we can question what's going on. But as we begin to see those points, we can see the journey of God's faithfulness with us. So God understands. He's been through the wilderness journey. He shows that you can overcome it. Where Israel failed, where we may have failed in the past, we can be overcome it. So we're ready for the two keys. They're really simple. Two keys out of this passage. The first one is to be full and led by the Holy Spirit. This was a real revelation to me when I was reading this, because growing up, I had a bit of a warped picture of what was going on, all right? And I'm going to share it because I know some of us have this picture. I always saw Jesus came, right? And Jesus had this amazing relationship with the Father. He did what the Father told him to do. And then it was almost like he ascended at the end and tagged in the Holy Spirit, a bit like a tag team fight. Holy Spirit comes in and powers the early disciples and believers from that point on. Has anyone kind of read it like that? Thank you so much, Zan, that you nodded and said yes, because I was like, I cannot believe I'm the only one. Jesus, amazing. You can see that relationship with the Father, then the tag team with the Holy Spirit coming in, and then we've got the book of Acts and Pentecost. No, that's why I love Luke, because it says that he was full of the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus, the Son of God, knew the power of the relationship with not only God the Father, but God the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Spirit. Even Jesus was led by the Spirit. And when I think about what it is to have Jesus as my teacher, how much more do I need to be full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit? If Jesus was full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit, how much more for me? And I love in Acts 2 and 38, Paul, no, it's not actually Paul, it's Peter. He's speaking and he says, repent be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a gift promised to each one of us that we don't do life alone, but we can be filled and led by the Holy Spirit. You'll have a completely different lens when you go through the challenge, when you're going, Holy Spirit, lead me. 
You have a completely different lens when you're going through the challenge, when you go, Holy Spirit, I need to be filled by you, brimming. I just picture almost like a glass, just brimming. Just fill me and strengthen me. And do you know why that is so important for a Christian walk? It's exactly what we see as Jesus comes out the other end of the challenge. Because when we're filled and we're led and we're not avoiders and we're not victims, but we're overcomers and we are victors, it says that we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that word power is dunamis, dynamite. What a great word, dunamis. As Paul wrote that Jesus was raised from the dead through the dunamis, the power of the Holy Spirit. That word dunamis not only means miraculous power, that is why he's filled with the power and immediately after we see him, he's walking around and people are getting healed. Lives are being transformed. Not only is it miraculous power, not only it is God's ability through us, nothing we've done, this is the power of God through us, but it also means strength. The gift of the Holy Spirit, His Spirit in us, is for strength to be sons and daughters, to find our identity and relationship with Him. That doesn't matter if we're on a mountain high or a valley low. We find joy and we find our identity in Him. You know, I was challenged. You know, when we look at our heroes of faith, Pastor Don is an absolute hero who seemed to just move in a real power and a real authority. Do you know what one of the secrets are? And I know that if he stood here, he'd say the same. He was full. He's been led. He's gone through the challenge. He's been through those moments where he goes, God, pull through. He's been through those moments again where, God, if you've done it before, you can do it again. And there's a power that comes, a dunamis. So number one, full and led in the Holy Spirit, and the power comes. Number two, so we've made it to the last one, guys. Number two, know the heart of God. I've always read it, and I thought it was just know the Word of God. You know, I loved how in those moments where he was tested, and he was going through challenge, and even, you know, sometimes that testing might be um, satanic, Sometimes it's just those voices, bad thinking that we have. Sometimes it's someone else speaking to us, those voices. And it's, you know, the power of the Word of God, knowing that. What does God say about this? What does God say about me? But it's more than that. It's knowing the heart of God. And that's because we can see that even, even the devil knows the Word of God. Even the devil can take a scripture and try and take you off track. Even the devil uh, knows how to twist the word of God. But when we know the heart of God, we know how to test it. And here's an encouraging verse, 1 Corinthians 2. And it's verses 10 to 12. And it says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. 
For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except this man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And verse 16 He quotes out of Isaiah, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And Paul finishes this, But we have the mind of Christ. Do you know, each one of us, and the key here, that's why we started with number one, be full and led by the Spirit, because it says that God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. That as we dive into the Word of God, as we spend time in prayer, as we're filled by the Spirit, God reveals it to us so that we know the heart of God. So that we can be, and I bet if Naz didn't just have five minutes, but she had half an hour, I bet there are many stories about moments where there are questions, but the Word of God coming back to you, and and God confirming and giving strength and leading forward, even though we don't have all the answers to every question. But we can know the heart of God. And one step further, I love, you know, Ephesians 6, famous passage about the armor of God. It says the, we've got the, the sword of the Spirit, but I love how like the, the Word of God is like a sword. And you see even Jesus here wielding it effectively. The Word of God is authority for our lives. The Word of God um, is something to be wielded. It inspires faith that when we come up against opposition, spiritually, it is our weapon. That when we quote it effectively, when we know the heart of God, when, when like the devil is challenging to throw himself off and Jesus goes, no, 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 the heart of God is out of Deuteronomy that says, do not put the Lord, your God, to the test that we see everything finishes. There's nothing, there's nothing more in his artillery right there he can throw. That is what it is to know the heart of God, to know the word, to wield it, to be full and to be led. And just as the band comes, this morning I just want a couple of challenges for us to to just think through and respond on. Has anyone got out something out of this morning? Yeah, good. Because I believe that it's one thing to hear something And it's another thing to kind of have it cemented in our lives. And then it's another thing to experience it. I love what Naz said. There's a difference between knowledge that's just head knowledge. Head knowledge kind of tickles the intellect. You go, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that before. That's a cool fact. It is another thing to put into practice and experience it, right? So what year are you, Neva, you fourth year now or third? Fourth year, medicine. So Neve, to date, has been learning a lot of head knowledge, right? It's another thing to hand her a scalpel (laughs) as a fourth year going into actual practical and put it into practice. That is knowledge that is experienced. And what I believe right now is, right now is an opportunity for us, we've heard something, we might be encouraged, we might be challenged, but let it be cemented in our lives so that as we step out these doors, 
we can experience it in our lives. We can experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can experience the power of what it is to know the mind and the heart of God. We can experience the power of what it is to overcome. And before we do that, and as, as we worship and we're going to open up the altar, whether you want to have a moment with God, whether this is something you want someone to stand with you and pray, whether it is a realization of God, it says that you were filled with the Holy Spirit, and I would hardly call myself filled. I need a filling. This is a moment for you, however you want to take this moment to respond. But before we do, I want to encourage you with two verses. First is James 1, 2. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. If you are divinely purposed to go through challenge, count it joy, because God is building something in you. And I'm not talking about when we throw ourselves into dumb situations. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about when you're led into something, and then you lean in to God, and God builds perseverance, and He matures you. We should have joy in that. The other is this. I think this is an amazing encouragement. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation, or that same word can be translated as trial, has seized you except what is common to man. In other words, we all go through it, guys. We all go through it. I know that we go through it at different levels, but that's based on our capacity. But we all go through these things. And it says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted or tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Be encouraged that in the challenge, we will stand up, that we will persevere, that we will mature, that we become overcomers, that we become victors, that we are not only full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit, but we move out of that in the power of the Spirit. All right, why don't we stand this morning and just close your eyes and just begin to focus on God and His goodness and His character. Yeah, you're a worthy God. You're a worthy God. Yeah, God, I want to thank You that You are calling us to greater intimacy with You, to know You, because you're building something within us, God. Lord, I want to thank you that at the cross, ultimately you won the victory. God, I thank you that at the cross, God, that the kingdom of heaven was established and what we get the amazing joy in is being part of that and what you're building until the time of its fullness, God, when you return again. But Lord, I thank you that we live in an amazing time. You are worthy, God. Yeah, Lord, I want to thank you for your presence that's here right now. Man, your presence amongst us. In fact, as I'm praying, 
I want to create an opportunity, whether you're here, whether you're listening to this now on the podcast, I want to create an opportunity. Maybe in this moment, you are going, man, I need to, I need to make a decision. I need to make a change today and move forward in God. You know what I love is it's not that God uh, requires us to be righteous and perfect and have it all together and nail a couple of these challenges as a victor before He accepts us, but all He asks us to do is take a step towards Him. And then every day to take a step towards Him, that when He looks at us, He sees the complete work of His Son through the cross, that when He sees us, He sees us as a son and daughter, and He calls us closer to Himself. And in this moment, let's not leave this till another day, but if this is you, and in a moment you go, Lord, I want to make a decision to follow, to take a step, to be led by you, this is your moment. With eyes closed, I want to encourage you that just to lift your hand, this is between you and God. Maybe you're listening to this, and I want to encourage you in this moment, maybe even to put your hand on your heart and say, God, this is me. I don't want this moment to, to pass me by. God, you're worthy. You're worthy. Awesome. Awesome. You know, church, together, why don't we just pray this? Because it's awesome, not only for ourselves, but to encourage those who are, are making a decision in this moment and standing with them. So, dear Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your faithfulness, your love that made a way that I may have life and your life abundantly. I want to thank you for the cross, the victory of the cross, that I can be free of the hold of sin and shame, that I can become a free son and daughter and walk in your grace. And right now, I choose to follow you with everything that I've got. And I pray that in this moment that you would feel me. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We pray that you would activate something in your life and shift your life towards Jesus. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, just click follow. We love you. Have a blessed week.